Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Okay, corn sweat or no corn sweat, there won't be another game in Iowa until at least next year. Well, David Ross said the Cubs are a part of that, and so I tweeted out, well, they are the Iowa Cubs indeed. <laughs> Might as well. You get the Des Moines Cubs playing at Wrigley, just take them back to Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if this team's good enough to be a AAA team. but Well, since they have since they have 8,000 seats there, you would think maybe a minor league team comes in and buys and plays there. But then, then, I mean... I know, then you got, they've got to take care of the field I, and everything and, else. And I know we... we talked about it rightfully so all the yes around the station you know, and york was like you know you can't do it again it was so note perfect right fox did i mean the opening i, I know mike north tweeted out i can't believe i'm watching a pregame show I'm, right and then the intro well, i watched the whole pregame i know whole one hour pre-game. And, and, yeah. and it's like when was the last time you did that and you're getting chills with the music and the players coming through the the corn stalks and everything. i mean and it was perfect so now you're going to get the cubs and cardinals reportedly next year who cares? Right. And now it might be cool for the players to actually be part of that, but you can't do the whole intro no. and, and have You're the You're not going to have Costner there again. Right. And so, right. I mean, will Cub fans drive? I, I said to you, will the year after that, if you're going to make this an annual event, will it be the Brewers and Twins? It's all going to be regional teams, Kansas City at some point, because yeah. they want people to drive there and, and generate you know, some ticket right. sales. Yeah, Braves Marlins makes no sense. Yeah, Dodgers aren't coming here. No. I don't imagine. I mean, yeah, Mariners. I mean, I, I'd so, but, you know, they all said it yesterday, and I would echo their sentiments. It's It was special. It was perfect. Whatever they do next year, it's going to fall flat. It sure. just is. You can't you can't redo what you did the other night. It was right. perfect. Well, they said they have sixty thousand visitors a year yeah. to the Field of Dreams. They had eight thousand, probably nine thousand, closer to nine thousand there, and. I would think if you wanted to go there now on a weekend, it's going to be crowded for the the next month. Sure, because people are going to so make I, their plans. I got to go. go. Right. But once school starts again, you know, and whatever, maybe drive out there afterwards because I would think it's open probably till October. I don't know if it's open year round. I wouldn't. It would make sense to be open when there's snow out there. No. Um, but um, I was out there in August one year, and when I was out there, it has to be like. Boy, almost 15, 20 years ago. And it was cool then when I was there. And I'll I'll go again because it, it I just want to see how the whole thing looks. Well, and know, the corn it, maze, if it's going to keep it, keep that up. The hats off to those guys, too. It was a Ken Rosenthal with his report yeah. that some of the corn, corn was uh, wind damaged because of those storms. Unbelievable through. what he said. Uh, yeah, they bought up every – and I had an imagined green fiberglass – uh, pole or stick and Rides, went out yeah. there and zip lined the, all the corn to make it look perfectly that. And then so it grew, so it grew straight up. Yeah, and so like they couldn't walk too. through yeah. the players. I mean, it, they were doing that like for all hours for days leading up to this. They didn't miss a, a beat. No. And, and the, to, how meticulous that is. And I don't know if you saw the one thing, and we'll get right to the callers. A lot of people jumping in. 312-332-3776. When Kevin Costner was walking out, mm-hmm. there was a there was a board up so that the people in the stands couldn't see the guy on the camera. Right, right. The camera guy and his sound guy, I guess, were, were ducking, behind, were ducking yeah. behind this. So when you were looking at it from the stands, you didn't see. Because you know MLB is going to come out with a big thing. They're right. going to probably put a big thing sure. out and stuff like that. But they're going to... I'd love to see some of the other footage they got. It's yeah. got to be awesome. And, and that's why when we have the Twitter poll about did you miss the K-Zone, I didn't even think about it during the game because everything was – I mean, they tried to make it as authentic as possible or as special as possible. 
And in any other game, I, I missed that. Like, where was that pitch? I would need to see that. Exactly. Right? And and it, so I didn't even think about it because the whole uh, the whole atmosphere had me kind of consumed. I wasn't even worried about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I was. I were was at the very beginning. I realized they didn't have it, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't worried about it until Kopech started yelling, <laughs> and then I was worried. We got a Crown Point, and Dave, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Dave. Hey, I just got to start out by saying that my. Uh, email address is that I am a Hawkeye, so let's let's go a little bit further. Okay. Um, Brant Miller on on Monday night during the tornadoes was blaming the tornadoes in that rural area because of that corn sweat. The corn sweat is only for like three or four weeks during the year mm. when the ground when the when the when the ground starts pulling up the corn starts pulling up the water through the ground and it explodes through the the top of it. Okay, so like I said, I I know about that. Right, I've detasseled corn in my days. Okay, so that that is a low humidity. It only hangs about probably thirty forty feet over the atmosphere. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now the other humidity obviously is throughout the whole the whole stratosphere. Okay, but this particular is only twenty to thirty feet high. Interesting. So that 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 that, that rules that guy's theory. At, at Myrtle Beach because I I've been to Myrtle Beach I've never seen any corn rolls no. except for some yeah. of the, except for some of the some of the caddies had some corn rolls but that's a different story yes it is um, and then the, the the ballpark was made on the exact replica of old Comiskey Park right so I thought during the, like the sixth inning they should have gone in and installed astroturf in the infield <laughs> and then pulled it out and then they should have and then he should have put a, a temporary fence in there for like the eighth inning. You know, the 10 feet closer, like they did in the 70s, to make it really authentic. Wow. David. That, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a White Sox fan. I'm a baseball fan. I really enjoyed that. That was so cool. Yeah. And being a graduate from the University of Iowa, it just made me feel so proud to be an Iowa guy. It was, it was great that it was a game played in Iowa. You detasseled corn for a living? Or, like, we all, you know, shuck corn? Or did you, you know, was that uh, a no, hobby of yours or what? No, it was, it was just a... a two-week thing in, in, for summer school. There you go. That's All right. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. man. Appreciate it. I didn't know it was called detasseling. No, I shuck it. Yeah. I said shuck. I like detasseling. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds it much sound. more like uh, I'm a really expert. Yes. I went to school for the de- – well, it was a school project. I was a, de- a detasseler. You have to pass that. You can, yeah. To Painless Heights and George, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, George. Hey, just a shout-out to the White Sox manager, his first time managing a full game – couldn't think of a better better choice. Tony LaRusso was was gone, and Miguel Cairo, who's our bench coach, and just a shout out to him with a great job. You know, George, when you were watching the game, did you wonder why they brought Lurie Garcia in for Adam Engel in right field? No, I did not know. I have no idea why they did that, but I'm tired of second guessing after uh, <laughs> them since 1953. So uh, the first game I went to was 1953. So I don't because every time I second guess my two sons who know everything correctly. So I just kind of keep my mouth shut after all these years. And by the way, my li- my license plate is Sox fan. I won't give the number, but it is number one. And I'm a great Sox fan. I really enjoy you guys. Thank you, George. Appreciate the call. I I, I like that he doesn't second guess. But I, I I was I could I'm going okay. 
Miguel Cairo, why are you putting Lurie Garcia in for Adam Engel? Then we found out Engel, when he was circling the bases after that uh, Tim Anderson double, he actually pulled something. Yeah. Yeah, hurting, hurting himself a little bit. Callers hanging there. I just want to get to this. I promised it 45 minutes ago. Uh, Jeff Passan was on with Waddle and Sylvie. He's on each and every Friday, and a lot of times I run the stuff on Saturday and Sunday because what he says on Friday is good stuff, and it's really great and pertinent. And Sylvie asked him how he thinks Tony La Russa and the White Sox are going to manage the Kimbrel Hendricks last-inning closer role. I think the best way to go about this is going to be purely and strictly matchup-based going forward. Now, I'm not sure if Tony La Russa is going to do that. I'm not sure if the White Sox... Uh, front office is going to provide the sorts of uh, numbers that some other organizations do, but I have faith, honestly, in both of them to handle this the right way. I mean, to, you know, say what you will about Tony LaRusso and his managerial acumen, but this is the guy who brought upon the modern bullpen with the way that he used his relief pitchers, and I'd like to think that he's going to be open-minded enough to understand that if the lineup that's coming up in the eighth inning is more conducive to Liam Hendricks' pitch mix and he's likelier to get them out, that he's going to have no problem giving the ninth to Craig Kimbrell. Um, but, but the idea that you're going to do it just to put Kimbrell in the ninth and to have Hendricks in the eighth, I think that would be a silly way to go about things. It, you know, innings are not specifically made for particular pitchers. It's not about the inning. It's about the matchup. And if you want to play modern baseball the way that it should be played, you go with your best matchup in those situations. Now, I thought that was really interesting, and not only because of I agree with him on the matchup stuff, but nowadays it's different because you have to stay in for three for three hitters. Right. So it's not like you go, okay, I got we got a lefty and then we got two lefties, but then it's righties, you know, four righties in a row Is or something. Is that going like away that. next year? Is that one of the rules that? I don't think so. Hmm. I think that one's staying. Okay. Um. But who knows? Um, but I think I think they're keeping that one. Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't mind it for the most part. It doesn't really come into play. I mean, when you're watching the game, it doesn't seem to. And you just know that there would be a lot more substitutions. Aaron Bummer would probably face less right-handed hitters than he does on a you know on a game by game basis. But I'm really interested to see what Larusa is going to do because you saw what happened, and I would think that tonight. Liam Hendricks wants to get back out there. Sure. Immediately. Right. And Kimbrell seems very nonchalant. He doesn't seem like it matters to him. But we haven't heard much from him. I don't know that I've ever heard Craig Kimbrell talk. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure I have. Right. But, but Liam not, Hendricks talks all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that in-game interview, very interesting. And, and you yeah. know, but that could have gone on another hour and he would have been fine with it. Oh, sure. He doesn't mind it at all. Well, immediately after the game, people said a little less talk and a little more pitching. Well, yeah. But again, yeah. six days rest. Is it rust versus anything else, or was it just a rough outing? But you're right. He, brought, he wants to get in there at night and get a yeah. better feel for it. Yeah. Well, hopefully Dylan Cease will go six, uh, seven innings. It's bad enough Aloy says he's the best hitter on the planet, which I can't argue right now. Now Dylan Cease has turned into something, and Jose Quintana's come and gone help. <laughs> we, got, we go to Wheeling, and Mike, you're at ESPN 1000. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, I got to tell you, that was uh, the greatest advertisement for baseball I've ever seen. A diehard Chicago White Sox fan, and thanks for your expertise. I have only one thought. Why didn't Coster throw up the first pitch? That is a little interesting. It would have been cool if he threw out the first pitch. That yeah. would have been the topper. That would have really been the topper. I really think that was really – I mean, a couple of people have asked me that. You know, hey, how come he didn't throw up the first pitch? That was the only thing that was missing. Other 
Well, you know what? The, it's an awesome job. You know what else is weird, Mike? The guy that played his dad was there, but they never showed him, did no, they? No, I don't remember it. Yeah, He was there. If they would have brought him out, if Costner would have walked to the mound and that guy would have walked out, that might have been the only thing they could have done because he was there. I've seen pictures of him, and people took pictures of him there. So why not bring yeah. him out? I, you know, I, I thought Kevin Costner, the, Thanks, the in-game Mike. interview was interesting, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I just thought, first of all, the guy doesn't age. I mean, right? No. I mean, what is that? Yeah, not too much. I'm not watching that Keystone series, but I, I've thought maybe I, I should. Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah. It's I've, really good. I know. I've seen the, the commercials. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I should be recording that. and catching it's, them. it's a great show. Yeah, my brother loves it. But, yeah. I mean, th- this guy, but, you know, him talking about his son going out and playing catch. And like, he did. They showed it. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, my brothers came over. The first thing my brother said. You remember playing catch with Dad? I said no. He told us to go outside and play catch, but he never. <laughs> Don't do it. He in never. The house. He never came outside <laughs> with us. What the hell happened? We get back to the calls. We are going to talk some Bears because they're getting ready for their first preseason game. We get to see Justin Fields. JD is going to join us at eleven here on ESPN One Thousand. ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter. At ESPN 1000. So we've talked about corn sweat. We've talked about humidity. Uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, Field of Dreams game. One more call on uh, corn sweat. Well, we've had people disagreeing and agreeing. What's going on, Charlie? Uh, yeah, uh, how you doing? I'm an old South Sider. Love the game the other night. Love the White Sox. But when I moved to Florida, golfing down here, I noticed the ball didn't go as far. And I thought it was because of the humidity, but it's not. It's because, like that guy going to Myrtle Beach, you're playing at sea level versus playing at seven, eight hundred feet in Chicago. Hmm. Just like when you're out in Denver, the ball, when you play golf out there, the ball goes 30 yards further. Because altitude so, uh, farther. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, uh, the, the other thing about the game, I remember uh, it was on one of your shows during the week. One, there was a bitter Cub fan on saying, I bet you you'll <laughs> That's redundant more. these days, bitter Cub fan. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in that group. I, I go to all the meetings. All Cub fans yeah. are bitter right now. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> This guy called in and said, I bet you you'll see more Cub jerseys than White Sox jerseys. And I don't, I can't remember seeing one Cub jersey the whole day. There was one right behind home plate. A guy had the Wrigleyville jersey on. And then, okay. and okay. then, um, Chris Chelios had brought, uh, Rizzo's Cubs jersey. Maybe Rizzo, maybe he had bought the ticket and he said, well, I'm going to go anyway. Right, right. Yeah. And then Rizzo couldn't go because he the tested COVID. positive for COVID. Yeah. Actually has symptoms, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see, you're right. I didn't see any others, Charlie. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Um, no doubt listening to us on the ESPN Chicago app, which you can uh, always get. And uh, it's the best way. I, that's how I pulled the Jeff Passon cut. I just went to the app and was able to, so easy to, to focus operate. in on it. Oh, it's the best. It's so good. And uh, for your phone, it's great. I was able to get it on a computer. It's just yep. Brings it right up. 312-332-3776. You want to still talk about the Field of Dreams game? We can do that. I want to get into a little bit of football talk because there's a lot going on about um, Justin Fields. And Justin Fields gets his first. We get to see him. And uh, unless you went to practice. Red zone drill, he was MVP, all-star. Yeah. yeah. That's what they say. And it's funny because the the TV cameras can't shoot the practice. No, that's been going on for a few years now. You sign waivers to go. You but can't. fans did. Yeah. So I saw his um, one of his passes, 
And I, I, I saw another one yesterday uh, pass down the sideline to um, Jimmy Graham. And so you get to see a little bit of stuff here and there. But today, are you going to watch the preseason game? And I would think a lot of people are going to watch it more so than usual. We have a Twitter poll at ESPN 1000. How much of the Bears game will you watch? All? Parts of it? None? Until Fields is done. Those are your choices. Yeah. Um, Adam Johns just reported that the Bears nose tackle Eddie Goldman, who just came off the COVID list, running sideline to sideline right now. First time we've seen him since he was put on the Good, list. Because he, you know, the Bears tweeted out a picture of him lift, lifting weights because there was a question if, if he's at the facility. Was he going to sit out another right. season because you're, you're allowed to? Because of the COVID negotiations right. with play, but he, no, he's here. He's been working out, yeah. And then he goes on COVID list, and you're like, oh, will this make him rethink the thing? And now he's out there. You know, you're going to see him. That's good. Yeah, that's real good. One more. Uh, we had a caller here. I don't. I don't want to not take him. Uh, we got a Mount Prospect to Steve. Steve, what's going on? What don't you like about A Rod? Oh well, A Rod shows over at noon. By the way. <laughs> Pardon me? If you got enough about A-Rod, the show's over at noon. I know a lot of people could go for an hour and a half on that. Yeah, well, A-Rod, I don't know how he gets uh, all the good press and everything. He's just as bad as Sammy Sosa, Mark Aguirre, or Barry Bonds as far as drugs, and yet he's like the golden boy. Uh, And the thing I didn't like about it is when on the post game he made a comment, well, there were at least four home runs by African-Americans, Hey, they're also four by uh, white Americans. You don't bring that stuff up. Uh, I think he was, you know, he is just obnoxious. And then, well, he may be obnoxious. He I is. didn't hear the post game. No. It's funny. I stuck around for for all of the pregame, but I didn't watch any of the. Well, post-game. the game went long. Yeah, I mean, went well into the night, and I, I mean, the, after that finish, I didn't need to break it down. I yeah. mean, I watched it. I, I, I was just like on a baseball high. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, Mark McGuire, not Mark Aguirre. Because Mark Aguirre couldn't hit the fastball. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah. I used to love watching him play. Yeah, there, was, there was nothing better. One of these days we'll do a show when there's nothing going on. We'll do. A, there was almost nothing better than watching the DePaul basketball team. With Cummings and Aguirre, and they were just, they were it you was know, like I, watch, it was better than watching a pro team. Almost. I ghost wrote Ray Meyer's column for the Sun Times. Did you? Yes, for yeah. for a year, and it go you go sit in his office for an hour or two, and once a week, yeah, try to get him focus on a topic or whatever. And, and you know, Ray is just the most affable guy in the yes, world. Yes, he is. I mean, I I looked forward to doing it each week, but it was amazing how many phone calls he would get within the course of those two hours from those guys or you know oh is it yeah i would just have to stop and wait for 10 minutes because he was catching up with but i mean yeah that they were the bulls yes they They were were, they were on wgn the superstation they were known across the country because they were treated as a nba entity people that i mean that's how the the newspapers in town covered them yep they they got more coverage than the bulls because they did deserved it Sixteen thousand at the product. horizon back in the day. Sixteen, seventeen thousand for a DePaul Georgetown game at noon on yeah. a Saturday. I mean, it could not have gotten better. I used to do stats. I did stats two or three times for Enberg and McGuire doing the DePaul Notre Dame, DePaul, uh, you know, Georgetown. It was the it was the event. Absolutely was. I mean, you would look forward to it. There was nothing better than that. And uh, yeah, that was before the Bulls. Um, well, I mean, the Bulls, that was in the day where I think Red Kerr was trying to, he'd call in the box score to, to the paper. Yeah, to try and get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could you please mention us once yeah. or twice? So anyway, there's a, there's a lot of quarterbacks uh, that came out of the draft this year. 
And uh, Sean did a good job for us and got a bunch of the coaches breaking down what the quarterbacks are doing and how they're going to use some of these guys. Now, Mac Jones is in uh, New England, and he's battling with Cam Newton, okay? And um, I don't know. There's a lot of people that like what Cam Newton's done. Bill Belichick talked about Mac Jones and his debut. Just in general, we need to you know play faster and react faster. That's that's every position across the board. You know, practice is practice, but things happen at game speed, and and uh, that's that's something that that I would say everyone needs to improve on. Um, certainly the quarterback position, but every other position too. Uh, it's just. You know, we haven't had the, the live game exposure uh, until last night, and so it's a good opportunity for us to you know, recognize how fast things are going to happen and, and you know, have to match that speed. So, I mean, I think the speed of the game for all the rookie players was a little bit different, certainly, than anything we've been able to practice. Mac Jones yesterday, uh, 13 for 19, 87 yards, uh, was sacked once, 78 uh, quarterback rating. And so the short passing game was the uh, was the plan, right? Yeah, apparently. Keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. Don't do too much. The 49ers have a game coming up later on today. They play the Chiefs. And uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, has talked about the, his quarterbacks with Jimmy Garoppolo and also uh, the uh, drafted Trey Lance. How do you think your quarterback's awareness was in that drill with uh, eight seconds left uh, down in the red zone? Um, not great. I mean, it's a tough position to be in because you we had no timeouts, so you got to go to the end zone no matter what. Um, and so, barely, rarely things are open to rhythm. So sometimes you try to buy time, but um, which is part of it. But when we threw it short, not into the end zone, that wasn't very good awareness. So you got to go to the end zone or out of bounds. That's what the situation is. In researching Trey, did did he have a lot of those types of situations? I mean, there was su- such limited college film on him. Has he been in you know? A situation like that? Not a ton. Their team was pretty good. Felt like they were blowing people out usually by the fourth quarter. Um, so he hadn't been in too many. It was good to have it today, though. You're not always happy with everything, and it wasn't just his group. It was kind of all three of the groups. But it's good to wish it went perfect, but it's good to have film when you go in. Glad it went good for the D. How are you going to use the quarterbacks for the exhibition over? Did we start and then go to I haven't told any of the teammates or the players yet, so I'll wait to tell them, and then I'll tell you guys as soon as I do, which I probably won't for a couple days. I always like that. At least he's told people. I haven't told any of the players, so I'm not going to tell you guys yes. right now. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be the right the right way to do it. That's that's how coaches lose teams. That's how Aaron Rodgers gets upset <laughs> when he hears things through TV and such. Yeah, um, Robert Sala talked about his uh, the progress of his youngster. How much will uh, Zach play? Have you guys figured that out yet? Yeah, so we're we're thinking about a quarter, uh, a couple of series uh, for the uh, for all those guys and. Uh, just kind of get him his first action. Zach seemed like he was taking a little more control at the line today. It looked like he was calling audibling and, and just making some adjustments. Is that something you're now this week giving him the freedom to do? How has that kind of changed? I think it's one of the first couple of times we've seen you did it pretty effectively. Yeah, it's, it's all part of the installation process. And uh, that goes back to, to the entire uh, offense and Mike in terms of feeling what the offense is playing like and whether or not we want to press the line of scrimmage, scale it back, give it to Zach, pull it off. It's, uh, but it's a, it's a part of their system and it's all part of the installation process. So this is a weird, a weird year because a lot of times, I mean, I remember back in the day when quarterbacks were drafted and there wasn't that much focus on them playing and playing right away. But in this one, it seems like a lot of these guys are in situations where they can actually play 
relatively soon, and not sure. just one or two of them, but numerous quarterbacks. And you're starting to hear a general theme there. I mean, when you have Belichick talk, I mean, he just wanted to paint with a broad brush. Right. He talked about the quarterbacks, but it's about game speed and decision-making, and it's different than you know scrimmages. And then you had Shanahan talking about, I find it very interesting because that uh, was a North Dakota State or North Dakota where North Lance, Dakota State I think yeah, right yeah where they were blowing teams out so he he wasn't on the in the red zone with no timeouts right you know, very often if at all sure where he had to make those decisions you know end zone or out of bounds uh, with Matt Nagy talking about Justin Fields now you know every every teammate is singing this guy's praises he's a yes, veteran. On the, Reminds him of Russell Wilson. On the r- yeah. rare miscue this week, he immediately get, gets with his receiver and either says, "I did that wrong," or you, you know, you cut here when you should. And they respect that he's he's reading the game, and and nothing seems to be above his pay grade, right? I mean, he right. seems to be ready to go right now in terms of leadership and all the intangibles, and and plus, by the way, he can throw make any throw possible. Yeah. So it. You know the fact that McNagy won't say say how long, but he's definitely going to play past the first half. I mean, I, I, that's why I'm watching the game tonight. I yeah. want to see just all about Justin Fields, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. Even with this offensive line, which is you know a huge question mark. We come back, Kirk Herbstreit, um, not only a, a broadcaster for ESPN, but also a guy that. Uh is an Ohio State guy. Yes. Okay. I'll remind you of that. That's right. And um, he was out with Waddle and Sylvia and talked about Justin Fields. We'll hear from him. We'll take your calls. 312-332-3776. How excited are you? How much of the game are you going to watch today? The Bears' first preseason game. Usually, I don't watch preseason football, or at least a lot of it. Um, probably today, I'm probably like a lot of people where I'll watch a little bit more than usual. Uh, let's know what uh, how much you're going to watch. 312-332-3776. Jeff Dickerson joins us at 11. Right here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. We heard coaches talk about the rookie quarterbacks, Jones and Trey Lance and uh, Zach Wilson. Um, one of the, you know, the top one, uh, Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville. Uh, Urban Meyer is in, in Jacksonville. I'm always interested in how college coaches play, um, coaching in the pros and yeah. how that's going to play Usually out. Usually doesn't work out too well. Yeah. Urban Meyer talked about Trevor Lawrence, who's actually in the midst of a uh, quarterback uh, battle. They'll both play. A lot of it's who's going to be behind. Uh, you know, we just want to make sure we have uh, protect up both those quarterbacks, but both will play. Will, will Trevor play with the first team offensive line? Once again, the, tonight's going to be the final meeting on that. If Trevor were to go to you, if you, if you know where you tell him, here's the plan, and he were to say to you, Coach would be all right if I go one more series, or would you would you listen to him lobbying for more playing time? Um, I'm going to really rely on uh, Bev and Shadi, you know, this whole preseason, uh, it's fairly new to me, you know, not fairly, really new. You know, in college, there's no preseason. You're winner loser right away. So I'm going to listen as much as I can. Uh, to, they both have a lot of experience with the young quarterbacks. They have, and that's why I hired them. And they've been not good. They've been great helping me navigate those questions. Is there really a chance that you guys won't start Trevor Lawrence against Houston in a month? Is there really a chance? Yeah. Uh, I think we'll answer that as it gets closer. But it's still very much an open competition to yeah. see who gets that honor. Yeah, yeah Gardner Minshew is the uh, the guy that he's battling with. Well, that's not the conversation here. 
Yeah. Right? No. We didn't promise him. We didn't We didn't make a promise to Andy Dalton, but he's our starter. He's I our told starter. Him I, I told right. him he's the starter. And, yeah. And can Justin Fields uh, change that discussion? Nope. Yeah, and, and the one thing, we've talked about it, and I think everybody knows it, and until, you know, you're basically beating your head against the wall until Mad Nagy says, okay, he's going to start. We can talk about it right. all, all day and, long. And, and what I've heard, and, we, you know, he's not starting all season. That's their, that, that's their plan, right. barring injury or surprise or being really bad, Andy Dalton being Mike Glennon. Yeah. That their ideal is Andy Dalton is more than serviceable. You're winning and you're you're have a chance to win the division or be a playoff team, and that your blueprint is perfect because Justin Fields can learn and absorb and right. not be on the field. By the way, there is a preseason at Ohio State or, or Notre Dame, wherever you want to be in the big programs. It's called the hyphen game, right? Right. Where you get the hyphen teams, directional teams to the North Dakota states to come in or whatever. Yeah. But like those all count. Well, they but, count, yeah. but you give them a check for like a million dollars to get your guys beat up, you know, and take the the team back to wherever to the MAC, right? Back when the MAC wasn't very good, right? When you know, poor Northern Illinois before they became a football force, sure. You know, if you lost that game, well, then everyone in town would be you know want to have your head. Well, didn't Michigan lose to Appalachian State one yeah. time? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. But those yeah. games were your preseason. You had a couple of those games where you wrote the big check to have them them come in and, right. and basically give you a dress rehearsal. Yeah, and you better win fifty three to nothing or three, right. or or people would say, wait, that was a little too close for comfort. Now, Kirk Herbstreit, a guy you've seen if you're watching college football, have you seen him for the last 10, 15 years doing games? And um, a lot of people after the draft said that Justin Fields was the second quarterback taken, but he was actually probably the first one uh, talent-wise. Some people have said that. And Kirk Herbstreit was on with Waddle and Sylvie uh, just the other day on Thursday, I think this was. And he was asked, why did Fields um, fall in the NFL draft? Eventually we're going to find out um, how that plays out. I, I can only go by what some of the people were talking about before the draft. You know, there, there was some talk uh, about how he didn't have the same work ethic, last guy there, first one to leave kind of stuff, which is just mind-boggling uh, to me um, because every time I was around him, he, it was the opposite of that. When I talk with Ryan Day, who's incredibly candid when he talks about his guys with me, he, 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 he was very, very shocked and defensive about uh, that some of the negative energy that was being said about him leading up to the draft. So the good news is whoever selected him, like I said, his fire's burning even, even stronger. Uh, he's even more motivated. Uh, I don't know why he slipped. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, if you're going to nitpick the Northwestern game or the second half against Indiana – or the Alabama game. I mean, you can find throws or a series or a half, I guess, of about anybody. Um, but for whatever reason, that just kind of lingered around with him. Um, but, man, if you look at the modern game and how it's played and what's asked of the quarterback, we no longer live. Like when Tommy was playing, we were, you know, quarterbacks were seven strap drops and had to play from the pocket. I mean, the game now is so different at that position. And you got to, the, the more you can make plays with your legs, and Patrick Mahomes is a great example of that, and Kyler Murray, and even what's going on with Baker Mayfield. I mean, these guys are creating. And how often do we see a guy throw in rhythm and get the ball out? I mean, it seems like, I don't know, five out of seven, five out of right. eight throws. He's, he's, he's coming out, he's, he's, he's dipping underneath something, he's stepping up. And wait till you guys see Justin Fields do things like that. Now, the wait. caveat I would throw out is just the coverages, the, the, the multiple coverages in the NFL and how long would it take him to pick up 
what he's seeing and, and, and transitioning pre-snap to post-snap. Uh, you know, for some of these, it's impossible to predict how quickly these guys can pick that up until you see it, until you watch them. Um, but there's a, a significant difference for coming out of the Big Ten where what you see pre-snap is nine times out of ten going to be what you see post-snap. And, Tom, as you know, I mean, you, you're going to look at a tight corner and, it's, oh, it's, it's too high, I got this, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. snap of the ball. One of the safeties in the middle of the field, other safety comes down, and it's a different coverage. And, and you got to react to that as a receiver, and obviously the quarterback's got to see that too. So how will he respond to that? for four quarters when he plays will be the, the mystery to all this, but his ability and the intangibles and the leadership off the charts. I thought that was a great breakdown by Kirk Herbstreet, especially the, the latter parts too, about, you know, uh, reading, reading defenses in college is one thing, reading them in a pro is the way they're able to shift things up and move and everything else at the, at the snap of the ball. Yeah. And that goes back to what Belichick was saying, just right. the speed of the game in general for everyone, but in particular quarterback, the first part of that too was also, I didn't, I've never heard the work ethic Either criticism. Because yeah. everything, and, and Kirk said it, every time he's been around, Ryan Day would tell him no. And, and what he witnessed was first in, last out type of leader. Right. Everything I've heard out of Bears camp or around Bears is this guy immediately gets it. Where, sure. you know, Mitch Trubisky, in, even last year, uh, going into his last offseason when he was here with the Bears, Matt Nagy's like, you know, he really has to start learning the offense. Uh-huh. Like, he really has to, yeah. in the offseason, immerse himself in the film. Like, it was it was a backhanded, or, or it was an out-and-out criticism right. of the guy's not doing enough during the offseason that he's ready to go or be much more improved when he gets to right. the OTAs and all that stuff. Yeah, and um, so I will, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing how much Justin Fields plays uh, today, and uh, so are a lot of other people. Let's go to Highland Park and Scott. Scott, what's going on today? Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing Love well. Love the show. Listen, listen, I think it's pretty obvious here. You know, Matt Nagy, you know, he's going to do what Matt Nagy wants. He's very fickle, you know. Two years ago, he says, well, you know, we're not going to make any changes in the staff. And then 45 minutes after the press conference, he fires four guys. Let's talk about, let's talk about the two guys. Andy Dalton's a good guy. He's a solid pro. But his ceiling and his floor aren't that far away. Uh, Justin Fields, this guy is a unique talent. And one of the things you need to do in, in, in NFL football is improvise. So what I would say to Justin is, listen, buddy, just keep your head up. You're going to be, because he's going to be around a lot longer than Matt Nagy. I'll mm. hang up here what you have to say. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a good chance he'll be around a lot longer than Matt Nagy. I think a lot of quarterbacks are. Well, more, I think more I than mean, their the fact that they drafted Justin Fields probably bought Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy at least another three years. And if you, the cynic might say, well, the longer you keep him off the field, the clock doesn't really start ticking sure. yet again on, on Nagy and, and Pace right. until they get the franchise quarterback to be on the field. Yeah. But as, as soon as he's on there. And, That's when it starts. Yeah. Because yeah. It'd be, it was, they're hanging their hat on the defense, elevating this year to where it was in, what, 2018 when they right. had 36 take, exactly. takeaways? Because they didn't take the ball away last year. Nope. They didn't last help the, two years, they didn't they didn't help the offense out. So I don't know if that's actually going to come to play, but Khalil Mack looks better and Robert Quinn needs to be better. Let's go to Scott and Lake Forest. Scott, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Good afternoon or good morning, guys. I want you to think about something. Do you remember when the Jets beat the Raiders last year? I think it was to ruin their you know chance for getting Trevor Lawrence. What yeah. happens all of a sudden if now the Jets take Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, and then here you have if Urban Meyer goes to Jacksonville, you know does he take his Ohio State roots player 
And now where are we as Bears fans, you know, instead of being euphoric about having Justin Fields on our team, now we're sitting around with arguably, you know, Matt Jones or someone like that. It's, it's crazy how things change with one game. Would they have even drafted a Mac Jones? I mean, if right. Justin Fields wasn't available and, and they weren't, you know. Would they have gone that, somewhere else? Would they have drafted a quarterback in the first round? Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. But it's an interesting point that Urban Meyer was going to, you know, he had to take Trevor Lawrence because the owner said we're taking Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, all the way up to the draft, I always thought it would make more sense for their organization to move down a little bit and take one of the other quarterbacks. Scott, appreciate the call as always. I just think, you, you know, you need a lot more than just your quarterback. And, you know. But if you get the quarterback right. You know what? A lot of the other stuff you, you can uh, you can go, get healthy by a good quarterback. I mean, he you can, can disguise a lot of the other uh, places where you need upgrades. He can, but it all, I mean, if you don't have talent um, for him to play with, you know, of an offensive line, we'll find out today about the offensive line and what the Bears are going to stick out there. Jeff Dickerson is going to join us in about fifteen minutes. We get back to the calls after this. Fred and Brian here on ESPN One Thousand till noon. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Bears action today as they open up their preseason. Just three preseason games. Two at Soldier Field. They play this week and then they play next week uh, before playing their third one on the road. Uh, Fields to play from the first quarter, possibly into the fourth quarter. We'll have to wait and see. He did have uh, three touchdown passes and ran for one against the uh, Dolphins the other day in their scrimmage, and people came out just so excited about the way he played. Ooing, eyeing, saying he made every pass you can make. I can't wait to hear J.D.'s take on it when he joins us in a few minutes, but yeah. uh, the red zone against the Dolphins in particular, uh, what, six, six, four or six touchdowns or four touchdowns and six possibilities? But um, on the run, in the pocket, he did it all. They've had a lot of people at camp lately. Uh, Alex Smith was there, uh, the former quarterback. Now he's going to be working for ESPN. And uh, he asked the players, are you living today? And a couple players actually said, you know, they actually thought about that. You know what, we're just playing and trying to get things. But, you know, this is all we can play for. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you can't do it. You can't make up for what happened yesterday. Right. You can't do anything for tomorrow. Just work on Worry today. today yeah. And, um, I mean, Alex Smith, uh, anybody that saw his leg after, oh. man, what they did. What and a career he had. Yeah, I mean, the ups was. and downs. Yeah, number one draft yep. pick for the 49ers, and, and then he goes to uh, Kansas City, plays very, very well, and just him coming back and getting on the field was one of the, without a doubt, one of the great stories in sports in such a weird weird year last year. Well, but I always go back to this. The the, the whole Matt Nagy blueprint was based on you know, Justin, or, or Patrick Mahomes sitting while Alex Smith was... Right running the offense. Alex Smith had a, a wonderful career yes, year that year. Yeah. There was no reason to ha- want get no. the, the to have the hook ready to go for him. No. He didn't give you I mean he elevated his game to show you why he was selected number 1 yeah. overall at one point. And so I mean that that's the dream. Now Andy Dalton's not going to be that guy, but the the hope is for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace is that he's not only a solid citizen, a good teammate, but he's more than a serviceable quarterback. He's not making mistakes. He's not yeah. costing you games. He's actually helping you win games. Yeah, great to see him uh, Him there. And I know Doug Peterson was at camp with them for a little while and things like that. So he does have a lot of contacts. We'll see if uh, how he handles Justin Fields today and how he handles the rest of the team and who is on the field today. Uh, Bear fan Bob jumping on in. Bob, what's going on today? 
Gentlemen, good morning. And by the way, Brian, I'm still waiting to see you at lunchtime. Fred will give you the coordinates. We miss you. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, I w- I'm looking for offensive line play. I'm getting real sick and tired of watching these Bears quarterbacks, and I don't care who's back there, are running for their life, okay? To include Fields. I want to see Fields and Coach Nagy and everybody successful. I really do. But it's never going to happen until we get some cohesive offensive line play. I'm going to have the game on. I'm going to, you know, have it on in the background. I gave my season tickets, preseason tickets away. I don't go to those games. But I am going to watch it. I want to see see this. So, you know, I don't want to see defenders in our backfield beating up on our quarterbacks for a change. Wouldn't it be nice to see a Bears quarterback complete some passes and not run for his life for a change? Guys, those are kind of my thoughts. Have a great day. You Thanks, too, Bob. Bob. Appreciate it as always. You know, something that Jimbo Covert said last week in his uh, Hall of Fame induction really stuck with me. And when he said we had our offensive line of him, Bortz, Hilgenberg, Thayer, and Van Horn. He said we were together for seven years. And what Bob just said is the cohesiveness of an offensive line. We have no idea what's going to happen on the line. Mustaver is going to be there. And then, you're, you know, you've got other guys. Fetty was hurt. He was down for a while. You get, you get to know guys like uh, Lashavia Simmons, Arlington Hambright. These are guys that you may see out there. You'll definitely see out there today. Uh, Tevin Jenkins still not out or still not playing with uh, his back problems, which apparently they knew about. When they drafted When they drafted him. Which, didn't we have a guy from Wisconsin? Didn't who Was that the left tackle? Yeah. Did he have back problems or was he just bad? No, his back problems, he had back surgery. That was Gabe Karimi, yeah, right? Gabe about? Karimi, yeah. 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 He had back surgery, right? Yeah. And that didn't turn out so well. No. I mean, I mean, it's great to grade him out on everything else, but you do look at the injury history and the physical, and sure. that that's at least a yellow flag for a lot of teams, if yeah. not a red flag, that we can't draft him. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, another guy that most people have no idea who he is. He's going to be the left tackle, apparently, until Tevin Jenkins returns from the back injury. He played 858 snaps with Denver the last three seasons. So he knows the position. Right. He's played the position. We'll get a chance to see him, I would think, throughout the game later on today. Uh, like I said, a noon kickoff. Jeff Dickerson join us in just a couple minutes. We'll see what exactly he's looking forward to because there's a lot of um, – the reason I don't like preseason games is they don't usually show you anything. And Matt Nagy has had a situation where he doesn't like playing – his starters right. in the preseason. Most coaches, it's become this thing. Well, you know, Bob said, I don't go to those games. Right. Well, why would you make a trip from Wisconsin or right. wherever, even from the suburbs, to come yeah. in because you're not seeing the starters? And you know, the whole the uh, Jimbo conversation about the cohesion and those guys sticking around. Right. Well, now you, that doesn't happen because guys want contracts and they're free agents, and that you know, you're right. You're probably right. Yeah. yeah. But but this is all about this the onset of injury, right? Yeah. And even. If they lined up healthy, you weren't sure what you had, you know, much of an upgrade, given what you had, you know, Leno's gone and all this. So did you really upgrade or even have a serviceable offensive line, whether it's Dalton or Fields, under center? Yeah, Chris Williams is the guy that um, Sean says. Chris Williams got the tackle from Vanderbilt had had a back injury. Hey, Gabe Karimi had a back, did he back, really? back to it. I knew Gabe Karimi was bad he was bad yeah he was very bad and yeah. i believe he, you know williams back with but he actually played for a while here's what the offensive line looks like i actually downloaded their uh the depth chart from the bears from uh left to right elijah wilkinson cody whitehair sam mustafer james daniels the former 
um, left guard yep. and center, now the right guard position, and uh, Lashavius Simmons. That's your, your line that's going to be in front of Andy Dalton and then in front of Justin Fields, I would hope. But, you know, you have, other, you have other players that have been added, and that's one of the things that do excite me, uh, is that you have some wide receivers, some guys that actually have caught the ball in the NFL. Uh, Marquise Goodwin's got a lot of speed. He can catch the ball. Demir Bird can catch the ball. Darnell Mooney, we saw him last year, and we'd just love to see him take the other step. And Allen Robinson is a guy that, despite how happy or unhappy he might be, and he'll be asked all year long about his contract and about Playing how much money he'd like to make. Tag, yeah. yeah, but um, he's a guy that can catch the ball. The only thing I've said about him, or one of the only things, is I'd like to see him do better on 50-50 balls. Yep. Every time there was a 50-50 ball last year, it went the, he got beat yeah, at him. Right. You know, he looked like he had muscles. But, you know, he should be able to rip the ball away from some of these these defensive backs and cornerbacks because that's the reason they play cornerback, because they can't catch. Well, uh, interesting to hear from J.D. because you ran those numbers by about some of the young young quarterbacks, 87 yards on 13 completions. Are you going to see a lot of running with Justin Fields out there for as much as he's going to be out there, short pass plays? Is he going to go downfield if if the need is there? And and how much is Matt Nagy going to let everyone take a look at because – Coaches usually don't want to show the entire playbook or any of the playbook in preseason. Yeah. Um, earlier this week, Matt Aggie was asked, um, what do you want to see from Fields? This was actually in the live action before the uh, Dolphins came in. I, I just I want him to be able to just, just cut it loose and play without thinking. You know, stay within what we do in the progressions, but um, just, just kind of let your personality show on the football field. Um uh, the other stuff that we critique him on, the tempo in and out of the huddle, all that, that'll happen on his own. Now he gets, we get to truly see what he's going to do when the lights are on uh, and he's playing full speed and, and he, it's live. You know, We're not doing live with the quarterbacks. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it's all going to play out too. 312-332-3776. We'll get to your calls in just a little bit. Jeff Dickerson going to join us. We come back. Fred and Brian here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. 